Food and Beverage Magazine Live, bringing food and beverage to life with your hosts, James Beard Award winner Jennifer English and Food and Beverage Magazine publisher Michael Politz. Featuring leaders in the hospitality, branded food and beverage, and CPG industries, many of whom are Jennifer and Michael's friends in the business. For an informal and informative conversation where friends in the business share the latest intel, ideas, and best practices. Live, juicy inside scoop from the tastemakers, newsmakers, bread bakers, drink shakers, spoon lickers, clam diggers, farms, foodies, and friends of the food and beverage magazine world. Here are your hosts, Jennifer English and Michael Politz. Whether you are thinking about becoming a restaurateur or you are already in the business, Michael Politz has written a must-read, The Food and Beverage Magazine's Guide to Restaurant Success. Pick up your copy today at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Books a Million, or wherever fine books are sold. Hey, welcome everybody. This is Food and Beverage Magazine Live. I am so excited because today we have an extraordinary guest. He is one of the architects of the future of food. He's somebody like me who has had almost every job in the food business. Okay, so I haven't been a pastry chef, but like my guest today, we each have at one point in our career uh, sold hot dogs. I mean, when you find somebody who loves food so much that they've done almost every job because it's interesting and fascinating and exciting, it means you're really in the right business. The hospitality business is a service business. And in this time that we're just emerging from in the pandemic, we are all now being called into service. Over 110,000 restaurants across the country closed. Surviving was really difficult, even with all the help and all the stimmy and everything that happened. Where did all the talent go? Where is all the talent going to go? And what has emerged? What will emerge? And where will we all go together? That collectively is a question that continues to be asked because our industry is in a really exciting reboot. Some of the people who are at the helm of taking us there, leading us there, and driving us there include my next guest. Jeff Lavelle is, in many respects, one of the core guys who is taking us there at Strictly Restaurants. He's really helping us consider how we continue to welcome guests, make hospitality in all the traditional ways we always have, which is to make you feel welcome, to make you great food, irresistible food, true welcoming, and most importantly, provide an environment and all the materials with which we cultivate conviviality. There are a few professionals who do it as well, expertly and passionately as our guest today, Jeff Lavelle, who joins us now from his headquarters in New Jersey. It's really an honor to welcome him. I told him this in a little chat before. I said, I'm so excited to meet you, but I genuinely want to say, I'm so excited to meet you. Welcome. Thank you, and thank you for having me on, Jennifer. Thank you, and thank you for having Strictly Restaurants on the show. Greatly appreciated. It's great. Love it. Thank you. I, I've got to start off by saying you and I have a similar, several similar things. Deli experience, hot dog. I mean, I don't know how many people today can can go back and say, "Yeah, I've got that. I've got that hot dog." I I cooked and sold hot dogs 
uh, at college football stadiums when I was 12 and 13. And I said I was a little bit older to do it. And, you know, that was just a different time. It's funny you said that. Yeah. It's fun. That's where I was. At. I pushed the hot dog cart at Nassau County Community College. That's where it's actually I was pushing at. And it was funny as, as I was pushing it through the college campus, you were told to only sell hot dogs on certain corners. And people would come up to me, you know, college campuses, you know how big they are. You know, they're all little miles wide. So I would sell. I would sell. I'm a customer service. I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm here to, here to make the guests happy. That was my job in this industry is to make the guests happy, make the guests. And then I would sell along my path. I always had to go back and get more hot dogs and go back out. And it was from that from that experience working in that and dealing with the customers on one-on-one. Because before that, prior to that, I was washing dishes and pots and pans. I was in the back off. And now here was in the front and face to face. And when you see the gratitude and the and the customer satisfaction that you allowed them, you you sold to them and not made them go over where you have to go stand over there. I'll be over there in about five minutes. They really appreciate it. And then you build up that that loyalty. You built up that customer base and you knew they were going to come back. And if you just say I'm I'm only because I was in school at the time, if I say I'm only here Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, guaranteed they're going to be there Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So and you're right. I, I I don't write questions because I, I read a lot and I'm and I've read all about you and I know about your company, but I'm really moved because this is the first time I've actually gotten to talk to somebody about this. And I think it's a, a line of questions and, and conversation that will really help people understand. You know, we celebrate chefs like David Boulet and and Eric Repair and Daniel Ballou, and, and, and there's so many celebrated chefs we watch on TV. It's easy in a way to understand why they're so, so culturally significant. Mm-hmm. But what they do in many respects is exactly the same kind of thing at its essence as we did when we were in the hot dog game. Right. I really think it's interesting to go back to those early days and say, what is it about any dimension of the food business, the service business, the hospitality business that at its core is really very much the same. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it is, it, it's your passion in, in dealing with people. It's your passion to see satisfaction. Yeah. And, and it's, I think the success in this industry in all honesty of anybody to be successful is you need to be a Mustang. You need to have worked in every position, in every different industry, nighttime, daytime, whatever. Do anything as possible. And then you, you become, as they use that term, a Mustang. And you and, and you know it. It's it's If we can get back to the basics and what why did we open up the doors? Why did we do things for a living? Or why did we decide that we wanted like a David Boulay or, or an Iron Chef Morimoto? What do we do that for? And it's the passion of the food. It's the passion of, of, of the satisfaction that we see upon our guests that they're there for them. The lesson in this for every operator, for every culinarian, for every kid who dreams of being an Iron Chef one day, there's something really essential in this idea. And that is no matter what part you play in the food world, the same humanity, Mm -hmm. same passion, the same excellence is called upon. Correct. And that if you practice the same excellence in making a grilled cheese sandwich as you do in making an mm-hmm. Iron Chef worthy meal for the Michelin starred customers that are going to visit you. Right. There really is no difference because it's about making that connection with your guests through that hospitality. And of course, to me, that's part of the success you've enjoyed in your career. 
let's talk about how successful you've been and let's talk about Strictly Restaurants because you are in that role among the architects of the future of the food industry. And I really want to talk to you about that because you guys are doing some really important things. You're reinventing, you're reimagining, but you're practicing with that excellence that goes all the way back and that connects us all to the excellence of our industry over time. Can you talk a little bit about Strictly Restaurants for yes. us? Yes. And your, and your mission of excellence? Well, um, I, well, the excellence is on, on Strictly Restaurant to success. We've been around now for nine years, um, where I actually, my last full-time position was with David Boulay. I was his CFO, David Boulay in Manhattan. And it was um, coming from there to here. I basically brought David to a level where he, he could just turn on the, the switch and was on auto drive. And, and just to go back in a sense, a lot of these chefs who in this mission of stars, their success is because the back office is successful. Strictly Restaurant is successful because the back office for these operations, we are their back office. They don't have, they don't have the, the uh, bookkeeper or the accountant, the staff account, whatever in-house. We are them. So we're, and in a way, because I did work in every position from, like I said, washing dishes and waiters and all this stuff. And when I'm looking at costs, when I'm looking at financial savings, when I'm looking at daily data, I can easily tell you whether you're good or bad or whatever. And, and that's house I became from, like I said, washing dishes. Uh, if you're familiar, Jennifer, there used to be a restaurant group out there called Fuzies. Yep. S-F-U-Z-Z-I. Well, I was with them. I was an accounts payable clerk. And I was with them in Manhattan back in, in the early 90s. And they went out to California. And I asked to go to California. And they said, why should I? Say, what do you do? And I said, I do AP invoices and special projects. And they said, well, why, why should you go? I said, because you trust me. I said, I would be your eyes and ears out there. So I went from being an accounts payable clerk in New York City for Fousey's out to San Diego, California as a staff account. And then I wrote my position. I looked at everything and I said, well, how can I make, make myself not a liability, not be viewed as a liability, but viewed as an asset at part of the restaurant? And that's the key to my success is have nobody to ever look at the office as a liability. You don't generate the sales. You don't talk to the customers. You don't do this. But had we done through our job successfully, then your restaurant wouldn't be successful. You and know, a lot of people think of what you do as like being a restaurant doctor and that you do the diagnostics and then you do the therapies necessary to make your, your, your family of restaurants so successful. I think it's important to talk about how there are things that indicate there's a problem that, that most people would walk into a restaurant have a dinner, think it was perfectly fine and leave and have been exposed to, those are the very symptoms that if you sat in their seat, you would see and say, that's an infection. That's an infection. Oh, she's got a rotten tooth. That's a bad toe. You know, that kind of thing. You could, if you went, I would love to go to a restaurant with you and you'd say, see how that, that says this. I mean, that'd be really fascinating. Well, it's, funny, about that? it's funny you said that. I was actually, my wife and I was at a steakhouse a couple weeks ago. And uh, and you, so you said that because if you're with me, you, my eyes are always working. If people want to have conversations, but I'm at work, you know, I'm looking at it. And I noticed this table, exactly. And I noticed this table, the napkin was on the floor. And I noticed people walking by, managers, servers, washers, whatever, and that napkin stayed on the floor. So I actually told my waiter, I said, you know, the napkin's been on the floor for 10 minutes. And I said, for a restaurant of this caliber, I wouldn't expect to see a napkin on the floor for 10 minutes. 
And, and I said, you know, it should have been parked up. And they actually looked at me. And then when he saw my, because I paid my credit card, he saw the name of the company. And he's like, what do you do? You know, but it's, it's things like that, that they, they sometimes they walk around and they got flappers on and they don't see the big picture. As you said, you're, you're in an ominous, anybody who's in it has eyes wide open, then you'll be able to see things like that. And you're right, the customer would just sit down and just say, oh, we had a great dinner and all. But did that customer really have a great time? Are they going to be back next Friday? Are they going to be back in two weeks? That's the key to tell if you did a great service, if they are back, if they return customers. And not just for the anniversary, the birthdays and all this stuff. Are they repeat customers? And it's because there's something somewhere that they remember that's not right, you know? And that's the thing. Good. Let, let, let me ask you this question. When people say strictly restaurants, what do you do? How do you answer that question? Strictly restaurants is, is a restaurant accounting and hospitality consulting services. So we give to you everything in from the accounting side and that consulting side to where, like I said, the napkin on the floor or looking at the attire of, of their managers that walk by. And every place is different. So you can't hold this height. I don't want to say standards, but you can't. If you're at a if you're at a Michelin star restaurant, you expect the, the appearance of the staff to be over here. If I'm at a pizza place, I expect the staff and the parents to be over here. But it's in terms of the entire operation, I expect the same. So when people do ask, it is restaurant accounting. Um, because of the background and the various things I had, um, but then also the hospitality because I've been in it. So if I tell you that, Jennifer, should take you only five minutes to go from that door to that hostess stand, and essentially Jennifer's got to show me that she can do it in four minutes or she can do it in three minutes and show me she can be efficient at doing it. And so I'm always guiding clients in how to be most efficient and then walk into the door Every day, as it's coming to the eyes of a customer, don't walk into the door that you're the manager or the owner or whatever. Walk in as a customer. What does the customer see when they first walk in? That's the key to anyone being successful. And that's what I, that's what anybody asks. What is well, you're, you're, you're a restaurant success coach for sure. And in that role, you see where the future of our industry is and you help clients get there and not only get there, the most important thing, you help them stay there. After the pandemic, we had a restaurant reboot. 100,000 plus restaurants have closed. How has your approach to serving your customers helped you help them transition into the future of food? What are two or three of the things that you're doing now that we wouldn't have imagined doing just two years ago? Letting an outside person as myself, even though we are part of you, we look at ourselves to be on the same team, but allowing Strictly Restaurants to manage your cash. Strictly Restaurant, my, my expertise is cash uh, management. Let me manage your cash, You're, especially during the pandemic. Your job is to touch the tables, touch, touch the customers, make sure that things are going out. When things are locked down, are the customers still walking in or they're calling in and getting the delivery that they're expecting? Are they getting what they're expecting or what they're paying for? Let us do your cash management, which is myself. So, and I'm constantly looking at the, all my clients' accounts. Every day I look at my clients' account. Every day I'm looking at their sales data. Every day I turn around and tell them. In fact, just before you guys, I was on a call with, with a client and talking about they want to bring on a manager and they want to bring on a salary. And that's the bad thing about the restaurant industry right now. We're going back to what we were pre-pandemic where people are asking these outrageous wages and you just want to snatch them to get them in just for a job to be done. But then technically speaking, your concept can't support that. 
And so during this pandemic and for us coming out, I'm going to guide you. I'm going to tell you really what the industry expects based off your concept, based off what you're selling, what's your sales mix, food and beverage. What are you on? Where are you at? What's the foot traffic coming? What is the vehicle traffic? I'm going to help guide you through this so you make the right decision. Don't bring somebody in that's going to be a six-figure salary when right, right now the restaurants can't sustain that. Bring them in and then tear them up. So, you know, you bring them at a level and if they if they deliver certain deliverables, then you you incentivize, bonus them. And then as more things come on, then you can. Our good friend Tracy Niporin from Myriad Restaurant Co. always says, Jennifer, on the best of days, it's a dime on a dollar business. This That's isn't perfect. a way to get mega rich quick. Yeah. But I want to talk about something that you said that I think is really important to, to bring back to everybody about where we are in this in this business and the changes that are happening and cash and 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 sustainability management how do we how do we stay alive well, that's in a very a dynamic condition when over the through the end of the decade 60% of the food that we all eat is going to come from delivery how are you weaving that kind of experience and reality into the work you do with your customers that's a very good question. What you need to do, you need to reimagine yourself and re-envision yourself. And we will help give you the tools for that to be possible. You can't be, as you just said, if 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 now 60% of whatever our service is going to go out, then I don't need a 125-seat restaurant. Okay, bring it down. And if you can't, if you can't get a landlord to work with you to divvy up the space, then turn around and hopefully the, your listeners know that they got a good guy cause. They give them a, a 90 days or, or 120 day notice and they're out. They vacate and they go to another space. You have to think smart. Um, and this way, then they would be able to come out of come out of this. Okay, it's not only that, as you were saying about about the outside service, but, you know, the key is. Are you competing with your neighbors? Who? Are, what would people coming to you for? During the pandemic, everybody was like eating the basics, uh, the mac and cheese, the hamburgers, you know, the quick, the table thing. And if you notice as the pandemic is essentially coming out of the pandemic, who's doing really well is your high-end restaurants. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones that the customers were back out and not a fear about somebody sitting on top of them and all this stuff, whatever. They're out there and they're spending that money because they miss that service. They miss that level of service. They miss that, that food. And so on. But during the pandemic, did you stick to your true value, who you were? What were you all about? You know, if he's serving Angus beef, are you serving an Angus beef? If he has a grilled cheese and tomato, are you doing grilled cheese and tomato? What are you doing to make you stand out? And I think that's the key for the future. You have to turn around and stick to your individual. What are you and make sure that you complement each other, not compete, because otherwise everybody's going to be chasing that buck. And I'm really curious about the delivery part of the story over the last two years especially during pandemic, DoorDash, Grubhub, all the services, they seem to be the, the hero that rode in and made it all possible. But you know what the reality metrics are of that. How are you, how are you integrating the reality of how much it really costs and how much of a disconnect to the branded customer engagement and experience between restaurant and guest with the third party in the middle uh, and how much potential damage that does to the ongoing relationship between restaurant and guest? That's a very good question because not, not many people, that's a good question I have to say, because not many people think about the disconnect of not, you know, there's, app, there's apps out there that's called tap out. 
And you can go in and you can order, you can sign up to this restaurant, you can place your food and you can tap it when you're about to come into the door and then they'll know. Then you don't even touch to the waiter, you don't talk to the manager, you don't, they nobody asks you, how was your meal? Did you enjoy yourself? And what brought you into the restaurant tonight? You just tap out and you leave. That's a disconnect. With this, with this delivery platform, you never get to know, did your customer really enjoy themselves 100%? Are they going to be back tomorrow? And that's the disconnect that we're that's happening, and unfortunately. So what we've got to do is just try to get the people back indoors. We got to incentivize for them to come back indoors, order things, you know, offer type, type, type things or whatever. Let them know that you're there. Let them know that you're back part of the community. The biggest mistake that anybody would make is if they shut down during a pandemic, as you know, the general public's unforgiving. And then also you try to come back, you got to work really hard in order to bring them back. If you work during the pandemic and as you were able to open up the outside cafe and the inside and all this stuff and you brought people back in, then your, your, your clientele will come back. But if you count on that delivery platform, which a lot of people do, and as you said, it's 60%, what do I do with my front of house waste staff who's, who's here for a job? They Now, as you know, everybody wants higher wages. They want higher minimum wages, right? They want this, okay? But and how much can you possibly pay for a waiter? $22, $25 for a waiter to be over there, right? Is that's what's going to come if you rely heavily on this delivery platform because then you don't need all the bodies in there. And then you can't have a 125-seat restaurant if you only only get 25 people to sit inside the restaurant. So you really, again, it comes back to reinventing yourself to bring the people back in to experience what you're all about. Mama meatballs was during the pandemic. Let's change it to grandma's meatballs. You got to come in and try grandma's meatballs. You got to come in and try something different to get them in. And I think Elizabeth Blau, one of the one of the restaurant tours in Las Vegas has uh, Grandma Rosie meatballs. So I think you're right on the money just to show your crystal ball is perfectly clear. You know, I have to tell you, I hope you feel the same way. I could literally talk to you all day. We've we've really come up. We've only got a couple of minutes left. I want to thank you for being so generous with your time, being here with us. This is a conversation that has to continue. Please come back on sometime. But I've got a couple more questions. And, and the sure. first is this. As we begin to think about there are the employees of the 100,000 restaurants that love this business like you and I do, that lost their gig, that want to know where to go. There are smart money investors who recognize people have to eat. Where are the opportunities in the hospitality industry right now that you see coming that you can share with us that you would want our industry talent to consider rather than leaving the industry. And I say this all the time, we, no offense, but we, we don't want to lose our talent to go sell insurance. You right. understand what That's I'm saying? Exactly. We want yes. our talent to stay in our business because all that passion and talent is what makes the culture of the restaurant world so great. The one that you and I are so dedicated to right. in our well then, well then, if it, unfortunately it is as you said, they all leave into selling insurance and stuff like that. But then it, it's internally, the management internally must work and cultivate their team and grow them up, and then let them see the passion, let them believe in the brand, and that there is a tomorrow. Um, but un, as unfortunately, right now, the key factors that this industry is in, is suffering from is the dollar what they can make. And when you're all doing 60% or whatever it is for online and, and delivery and all this, how can this, how can these people survive? So what you have to do is, is really cultivate them, bring them up, 
train them so they can be better, so they can turn around and grow what within the organization um, and then constantly do that. Unfortunately, the restaurant industry, in all honesty, was not, especially when you're talking about your variable payroll, unless you're a chef or something like that, that's your passion to open up your own restaurant. It was for a place for you, to, it was a stepping stone. It was for you to come in, earn some money when you're in college or earn some money with the kids who are in school or something, whatever. But it wasn't intended for you to turn around and say, I want to own a mansion in a yacht. Not you being a waiter, you know, unless you're at a high-end restaurant, you're a top-tier restaurant, then you can. But truth be told, is for the, for other restaurants that we have out there, it, it's you're coming in. It's a stepping stone for you to for a greater tomorrow. And if we so cultivate where, your take you, then you can. So where are the industry opportunities right now? Where are two or three things that you would steer young people to or shine a light on? Um, I would shine. Well, I would turn around and look to enter into management. A lot of places have or have a hard time with managers. I would I would suggest our young listeners and, and anybody out there is coming get into any restaurant that they see they are doing well. They want to inquire and want to become a manager, and then move to don't just stay as a waiter or a waitress. Get into being a bartender. Learn what it is to be a mixologist. Then go go from there. Go to the host stand. Yeah. Get get out. Of that, and then broadening yourself and broadening your experience. Because what happens though is you may be a waiter at this restaurant ABC, but then all of a sudden you worked it. Now I can go to DEF and become a hostess. And then from there I can turn around and go become a manager. That's how you're going to grow. You can't look to stay at one restaurant in a longevity and say, okay, this is what I'm going to retire at, especially if being an hourly employee. You've got to grow in this industry. And you go from, as you and I said, from a hot dog cart to a Denny's or to a so on, David Boulay's kind of restaurant. Before we let you go, I have to make sure that we let people know you're exactly the kind of help that a lot of restaurants need right now. And they may not have somebody like you in their area, but because of the pandemic conditions, we're all remote in yeah. so many ways. I mean, we're even remote today. Do you work remotely? And, and how can people get in touch with you to maybe help you um, help their businesses survive this moment? And become something more in the opportunity that awaits us all with the future of food. Any of your listeners can call, call me. I, I have, I have a toll free line at, um, I can give it to you. It's 844-382-2228. I'm going to put it in the chat and then we're going to scroll it along the bottom. 844-382-2228. That's our toll free line. And they can call uh, for free consultation. I can talk to them. In fact, I was talking to a gentleman in Texas uh, and helping him out. He was looking for a food cost. They can go to the website, www.strictlyrestaurants. And behind me is S-T-R-I-C-T-L-Y, restaurants with an S.com. Or call me personally. And that's 646-320-5206. I, my job is to help everybody. Big or small, mom and pop. I'm not going to come in and tear down a wall and then you'll be crying because we just painted the place and made it all look nice. I'm not going to come in and tell you 30%, 30%, 30%. I'm going to be real with you when I look at what you have out there. And even if you want to start a business, come to Strictly Restaurants and we're going to help you. It really and truly is the best place to start. Thank you. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And then we're here for them. So, I mean, any anytime, strictlyrestaurants.com. The 844-382-2228 or myself, 646-320-5206. We are here for them 24-7. Jeff Lavelle, what a pleasure it has been to have you here <laughs> with us to meet you Thank and you. have this conversation. I get, we can have a conversation all day about it. You know that, right? <laughs> I feel like you're my brother from the other mother. So 
<laughs> Don't tell anybody, right? It was a pleasure, and thank you for having me on. Thank Thanks you very for much. On. Okay. Welcome to Proof Live, where. Whether you are thinking about becoming a restaurateur or you are already in the business, Michael Politz has written a must read The Food and Beverage Magazine's Guide to Restaurant Success. Pick up your copy today at Barnes and Noble, Amazon, Books a Million, or wherever fine books are sold.